Show 320. And this week we got a doozy for you. We're dropping that FF knowledge, giving you that goo. This week's show, we're calling Giving Week 3 the third degree. I got Stag Party with me on the other end of an Uber conference. We are not together. I'm in Michigan. He's in Chicago. We are going to be talking about week three matchups. We got two games in the books, some um, surprising things happening, some Notable and potentially obvious things happening, and then there's some, uh, some some Dudley things happening. We'll talk about all of that and how it's uh, geared towards the week three games on this show. Stag Party, how you doing, buddy? Good. Uh, week two is different. You know, you got to get a couple weeks under your belt so you know where everything stands. Because week one was, you know, scoring in a lot of different ways, and now week two. Just saw a ton of scoring, lots of points put up. Uh, the quarterbacks went off. They, The quarterbacks, the top 12 combined, scored more fantasy points than at any point uh, since the Week 13 season of the 2015 NFL season. So they were putting up big, big numbers. There was 30-point games all over. You know, young guys and old guys alike, each, you know, dropping dimes on defenses. And it's just been a great season. We haven't seen too many season-ending injuries as of yet, knocking on some wood. Uh, and, and most of the fantasy, you know, landscape remains pretty much intact. We we have had a couple of these, you know, two-week knee injuries knocking out, uh, you know, running backs like Joe Mixon, Devonta Freeman, uh, and those guys. But who it's been pretty good so far. Nothing devastating. We haven't had a, you know, Allen Robinson ACL tear within on his first catch. Yeah, that's true. Um, good points. Uh, yeah, on the quarterback side of things, I'm in two leagues this year, which is awesome. I've cut back majorly over the past few years. Um, and I had Cousins score 57 in one league, and I had uh, Mahomes score me like 51 in another. Uh, definitely yeah. no, never had quarterback scoring like that before. Good times all around. And you're right. You know, th- there has been a little bit of injuries. I think the mixing things hit a lot of people. Uh, we know we're going to talk about the replacement that you and many others think is going to be uh, in for a, a nice RB1 uh, style top 15 or RB load coming up. But let's get into it. I think both you and I, I'm in a spot with my dog right now where I've got AC off, windows closed, all the fans are off, and it's a beautiful late September, 85 degrees where I'm at. So my dog's going to start freaking out in a bit. So I think we're going to kind of try and blow through this show a little bit faster than we usually do with Pyro, uh, the Pyro podcast. And Houdini is, um, what is it, Rosh Hashanah? Some, uh, yeah, I think. And then look over at my dog, he's already, he's already looking at me like, damn, it's hot in here, son. Um, yeah, so Houdini's out this week, so it's just going to be me and the Stags. I asked a couple of the other guys um, if they wanted to bounce on, but everyone seems kind of busy. So we'll get right into it. The Thursday night game this week is the Jets at the Browns. Browns, man, can't just uh, you just can't can't say enough with how close they've been uh, to being two and zero. In all honesty, just without some 
shitty kicking and, and Browns being Browns, as people say on Twitter. The Browns got a Brown. Um, the uh, it, It's sad for them. I feel the same way about the Jets. I feel like the wide receivers or the receivers in general have not been helping out Sam Darnold. Watching that game a lot, it's just like a lot of – Pryor came up lame on a couple plays, like not not following through on his routes that one turned into an interception in the red zone, I'm pretty sure, and another one cost him a, a nice first down. And you just can't do that. When you're playing with a rookie, you got to make plays for him. Uh, but Sam Darnold, I feel like he had his you know, first game, he had, what, two TDs and uh, gets the victory, and then in the second uh, week, he's already thrown youngest player ever in the history of the NFL to throw for a 300-yard passing day. A good time all around for the Jets. Um, what do you think about Bilal Powell? It looks like versus uh, Crowell. You know, Crowell kind of came out in that first game, had had the hundred yards, had the nice long touchdown, uh, but in touches and just kind of uh, consistency over the two-game course, Bilal Powell's getting a lot of play. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think this has a lot to do with game script. Like, when they're winning and they've got nice control of a game, you're going to bring in a guy who can grind the clock like Isaiah Crowell when they need to play, you know, catch-up mode football. They're not running the uh, football well. They've got to go with the big aerial attack. Bilal Powell's the preferred guy for that. I mean, he caught five of six targets last week for 74 yards and a touchdown. Uh, was very effective uh, as a receiver in – you know, he's been effective over the last couple of years, uh, either as a runner or as a receiver when called upon. So I just think he's a nice player who fills a role. And when you're looking for one of these backs that can catch passes, he should definitely be in consideration. He's probably going to be a guy who ends up with 40 to 45 receptions this year. Um, I doubt we're going to see as many big plays out of him. That touchdown was a you know big play. It's probably something that's likely to come back down. Uh, and he's probably not going to score a boatload of touchdowns on the season. But as a you know flex play, when you're desperate and, and you think the Jets are going to be trailing, Bilal Powell fits well in there. You know, And Isaiah Crowell is sort of a touchdown or bust flex play. Uh, he has done some as a receiver so far this year. And he's had years you know, in Cleveland where he's been effective in, in that area. So, um They've got a well-rounded backfield. It's not great. It's not majorly explosive, despite that one big run we did see uh, from Crowell in week one. And then the rest of the teams, you know, they're doing some nice things. Quincy Nunwa being back gives them, you know, a, a number one style option. He, whether you want to call him their tight end, their H-back, you know, their slot wide receiver, he's sort of playing all over the field, doing a bunch of different things. But he's Sam Darnold's favorite target right now. You know, in the short area of the field, this is a guy that they're looking at. Uh, they're running, you know, Texas routes, um, putting him in motion, and just designing plays for him. So that's that's all great. Uh, so you got to think of Anunwa as a wide receiver three flex play going forward. The guy who's really been affected by it has been Robbie Anderson. There just hasn't been as many deep shots uh, as Josh McCown was taking last year. He did, you know, see five targets last week after seeing just one in, in week one, but that one did go for a touchdown. So, you know, that's something we're going to have to see balance out. Does Sam Darnold start taking some of these riskier throws, pushing the ball down the field, or are they going to be fairly conservative with him? Um, you know, make him keep it short and go that way. 
They, they have absolutely nothing from the tight end position to speak of right now. So it does look like it's going to have to run through these wide receivers and these running backs. I like your point that you've made a couple times in, in, in talking and some of the responses you've had to uh, second opinions is the fact that you're feeling like Quincy and Nuno is essentially, he's essentially their tight end. And I think we've always talked about how a rookie quarterback is going to lean on that tight end, the shorter, the more intermediate routes, the bigger players. Um, so I think you're pretty much on uh, spot on with that where, Anunua has got that body, and he's kind of essentially he's looking like uh, Delaney Walker out there at the moment. Yeah. Um, and sort of flipping over to the other side, we have the Cleveland Browns defense, who's looked really good at times through a, a couple games. Miles Garrett's been like a one-man wrecking crew. Larry Og- uh, you know, gotten a lot of interior pressure. Uh, they still can't seem to cover tight ends. Uh, and do some things in that area, and they they have a knack for giving up some big plays. But the defense has been much improved. Uh, they did hold the Saints uh, down in that game when we, we did expect some points, especially for you know Alvin Kamara, who just rolled in week one. He was sort of held in check uh, in week two. So that's something uh, to monitor. But against the Jets, this is a good spot for them to potentially put, pick up their first win and, you know, a season plus uh, there's there's an opportunity for them to get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. The Jets offensive line is still a work in progress. Darnold's taken five sacks over the first two weeks of the season. So, you know, that's one of the main matchups I'm going to be watching out for is this defense uh, against uh, the offensive line, because I, I do think Cleveland's got enough playmakers back there to be a viable, you know, fantasy threat. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, Tyrod, he's had up and downs so far, you know, his interception percentage is up and that's something we thought he'd be very good at is just taking care of the football. And we thought if they took better care of the football, as opposed to, you know, Deshaun Kaiser last year, that they'd be able to have more offensive success and potentially be in more more ball games. I think we have seen that to a degree, but we need to see one of these clean games from Tyrod, but, you know, the Jets have been one of the better defenses in the league in terms of, you know, scoring fantasy points themselves. They've caused some havoc uh, with their defensive line and their linebackers have, you know, had some interceptions and they've gotten things done on special teams. So as a fantasy unit, the Jets have had a lot of success as well. Uh, but Tyrod needs to put up one of these clean games because it's going to be all eyes on the Browns, you know, with a guy who's the number one overall pick waiting in the wings, uh, against the number three pick in the draft, you've got to be looking. It's like, oh, well, you know, this guy's starting. He's playing pretty well. What about our guy? You know, when are people starting to get antsy here? Yeah. Um, so, th- so overall, this is a game where, you know, Tyrod has to step up a little bit. He did step up late in that game. He made a dime of a throw to Antonio Callaway to, you know, eventually get that game tied uh, and in position to get a win. But, you know, a missed extra point uh, kept that game tied after he scored. But looking at the weapons, you know, Jarvis Landry expected to have a huge day after sort of the deactivation of uh, Josh Gordon and everything that sort of come from that. And I think we'll talk about that more when we get to the Patriots. But, you know, it was expected. Everybody's talking about, like, how many targets for Jarvis Landry. Is he getting me 20? Uh, and then, you know, it was sort of lackluster, but 
you know, the rest of the team, like Duke Johnson's been having a, you know, poor season and they haven't been targeting him as often in the past game. Uh, and it's not like Tyrod hasn't thrown to his bedwar. And David Njoku's been, you know, sort of underwhelming uh, at the tight end position where we thought he had room to break out. And it looks like he has even room to break out now with the lack of Josh Gordon on the team. Uh, but, you know, some of these secondary pass catchers behind Jarvis really step up. The guy who really needs to step up is Carlos Hyde. You know, his efficiency just hasn't been there to start the season. You know, he's averaging, you know, one of the four worst numbers in yards per touch among running backs. And that's just something we need to see improved because they have a guy in Nick Chubb who's been, you know, in limited snaps, been, you know, making an impact and uh, breaking off five yards of carry runs. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, Jarvis, obviously, is the target machine so far through two weeks. Got uh, 22 of them. Uh, yeah, and Joku, like you said, he's 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 not uh, he's not making stuff happen right now. So we'll we'll got got to keep an eye on that. Hopefully, uh, this is a matchup that, in all honesty, I like the Jets, but I, I feel like um, the Browns could could for the thir- could be in a spot where they win that first game and the, uh, the Bud White, Bud Light coolers across uh, Cleveland open up. Let's move on to the first game on Sunday, September twenty third, and that's the Saints. At the Falcons, we'll start with the Saints. Obviously, what uh, Michael Thomas is doing right now is 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 just kind of absolutely insane and disgusting. Uh, I guess that guy is just pretty much is just a he's just a machine. So this is carrying on uh, into his third year, where this guy's just putting up numbers that are that are mad Madden esque. Uh, what do you see in this matchup uh, that you're liking? We got. Two more games until Ingram's back, right? So there's two more without him. Yep. Uh, I mean, I think you like a lot of things. I think you like Alvin Kamara as a pass receiver. Uh, They don't seem willing to give him very many more carries than they have been, and they've been going with a little bit more uh, pass-first approach, and it's been good for guys like Breeze and Michael Thomas, who's having a ridiculous year in terms of efficiency, catching 28 of 30 targets. Are you kidding me? That's disgusting. He's also been a guy in the red zone making plays. Um, So everything you wanted to see in terms of growth for Michael Thomas, it's been there early in the season. Drew Brees looks like the same old Drew Brees. Um, That offensive line hasn't looked as good as it, you know, has over the last year or two, but I, I, I think they're going to gel together, uh, and when Ingram comes back, this team is really going to take a liftoff approach on offense. But, you know, Ted Ginn's been the secondary wide receiver to own. Uh, he's made big play after big play when they needed it, especially late in that game. Uh, they're getting him both deep shots and just letting him do his thing after catching the ball. So, you know, as a flex play, I think most weeks you could do a lot worse than Ted Ginn. You know, still not getting much production from the tight end position uh, with, with Benjamin Watson out there, although it has been improved, you know, from last year. But we just want to – they don't have that dynamic sort of playmaker like they used to when they had Jimmy Graham. Uh, three catches for 19 yards for Ben Watson last week, you know, just really isn't cutting it. But, you know, with Ted Ginn, Michael Thomas, and Alvin Kamara, you got a pretty explosive offense – who could score points from pretty much anywhere on the field. So I think those are your guys you're looking at. 
and, and the rest of the team is sort of in a prove it mode, like Tra- you know Traquan, who everybody wanted to see break out early in the year. It's taking a little bit longer. We have a couple you know, nice plays from him, but you know you're starting the guys that are pretty clear, and then the one guy on the cusp. You know, we talk about here is Ted Ginn. Uh, you know, the the Falcons gave up, uh, what, 14 receptions to Christian McCaffrey last week. That opens up a lot of room uh, for Alvin Kamara to work this week. Moving over to the other side, uh, we've got... The Atlanta Falcons. We we saw we saw some nice rebound from Matt Ryan last week. He you know the organ uh, the red zone woes that had troubled them. It, it sort of didn't matter. Matt Ryan put it on his back and he decided, hey, if I have to uh, and nobody's getting open down here in the red zone, I'm going to run for these, and it worked. And as a fantasy owner of Matt Ryan, you had to be excited by that. Uh, you know, scoring two rushing touchdowns is a big boost to anybody's game. And, and Ryan had a nice one. Calvin Ridley scored his first touchdown, uh, but he's still in, in sort of a mix with Mohamed Sanu to where it's not going to be great every single week and they might trade off. Uh, Julio, you know, gets a you know pretty good matchup on paper uh, after, you know, what they get, what happened to them. Uh, by Mike Evans in week one to Marshawn Lattimore. The the Saints do have a pretty good defense, and I do think they'll start to come around. But uh, betting against Julio isn't something I'm willing to do in this matchup. Uh, looking at the games last year, it, you know, they were a little bit more low scoring than you would expect. Uh, 23 to 13 um, in, in December, uh, Christmas Eve. And then earlier in December, it was 20 to 16. So these big blow-up games haven't really happened. And, you know, when these, you know, divisional opponents take on each other, there does tend to be some familiarity that that helps it out. Um, You know, as long as Tevin Coleman has Devonta Freeman out of the lineup, he's a guy who needs to be locked in to your lineup as an RB2 you know, back end RB one uh, against the Saints. You know they've been pretty tough at stopping the run, but they did allow a Carlos Hyde touchdown last week. Uh, but I, I think you know your plays here. The one guy who started to emerge a little bit, in my opinion, is Austin Hooper. Uh, and, and if he can continue to do it in the red zone, that's where he's going to be the biggest factor. Yeah, I agree. Sorry to leave you hanging there before my dog was freaking out, so I threw a little. <laughs> Throw her in a room, put a fan on her. Um, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I agree. Basically, Julio last year averaged 11 targets per game against this team, so I'm going to just go out there and say I think he's going to get 11 targets. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. When is when is um, Devonta supposed to be back? Is he out for a handful of weeks, or is this gonna be something he'll be back pretty soon? Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, handful of weeks. Oh, one of those. Uh, and then I like your call on uh, Austin Hooper. I think I'm going to pick him up tonight. Um, just looks like he's going to be cons- consistently in the snap counts. He's got no competition. And we know the woes that Julio and the rest of the team seem to have uh, in the red zone. So even this week or last week, he was able to catch one of those. So I like that call a lot. Let's go to the Packers going out to D.C. to um, 
play against the Caucasians. What do you see um, happening on the Packers side of the ball? Is A-Rod going to be playing, or is he going to have to sit for a bit? I mean, he played last week. Uh, it ended up in a tie for them. I don't see any reasons why he wouldn't be out there. Uh, it, it's just one of these things where it's a little bit of pain management. Uh, and, you know, Rodgers seems to play well. They've adapted the game plan for his lack of mobility. They're not asking him to run these routes and extend plays. They're asking for more of the quick, get the ball out of your hand, get it to your playmakers. We'll design some quicker reads for you uh, and go from there. And that and that's really worked to Aaron's strengths. Um Sometimes he feel like he has to d- do it all, but right now he knows he really can't do it all. The real question is, you know, can the return of Aaron Jones spark the rush, spark the rushing attack? Because it, it's been lackluster so far. Jamal Williams, um, great pass protector. You know, they trust him because of his pass protection, and that is going to get him snaps. That's something Aaron Jones really needs to improve in. But if you're asking who's the better rusher and who's the more explosive runner, I don't think there's a question in your mind that it's Aaron Jones. Uh, the Redskins have been tough against the run through the first two weeks, but the, you know the teams they've faced, being the Colts and the Arizona Cardinals in week one, that's not speaking to much in terms of the quality of their offensive line and running back you know, sort of combinations. Uh, You do have David Johnson, but, you know, that team's been, you know, a little lackluster in using him over the first couple weeks, and everybody wants more and more and more. Um, I I do think Aaron Jones is one of the guys who's going to be impactful. He averages 6.3 yards per carry out of the shotgun, and the Packers have run 88% of their runs out of the shotgun so far this year. That is the highest mark in the NFL uh, you know, Devontae Adams, he was battling an injury last week as well, came back, looked really good. Uh, that connection seemed to work. So there's, just, you know, the Jimmy Graham got back, got involved in the offense. That's usually an area of the field where you can attack the Washington Redskins, their linebacker and safety play leaves a little bit to be desired uh, when covering these tight ends. So that's an area I think Jimmy Graham will, you know, have a nice week. Um, so it really comes down to Randall Cobb. Are you going in and playing him? Uh, I think he's more of a flex play than anything. Uh, I'm not really excited to play him, but, uh, you know, there's worse plays out there. Yeah, right. Um, all right, well, let's uh, flip this thing over to – the Redskins side of things. The Redskins sides of things, man. They played the Indianapolis Colts and look and what looked like a really juicy matchup. Um, and as good as Alex Smith looked in Week One, he didn't look that good in Week Two. He looked like checked down Charlie all over again. But you know, it's great for guys like Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson has 19 catches through two games. Uh, that's a 152 catch pace, uh, and he just looks explosive. So if you drafted him, you know, as your RV two or later, you are reaping the rewards, uh, especially in PPR leagues. The rest of the guys, you know, Jordan Reed, you know, looks fine. 
uh, you know, against the Packers, they're usually pretty tough against tight ends, but Jordan Reed's a different kind of player. Uh, I wouldn't worry too much about it. The Packers have allowed 12 receptions to the tight end position over the last two weeks. Um, and did just allow, you know, seven for 72 to Kyle Rudolph. So I expect Jordan Reed to be highly involved with the game plan. Chris Thompson to be highly involved in the game plan. The question is, you know, and I think the Washington Redskins are asking themselves this same question, bringing in Brashad Perriman, bringing in Michael Floyd. What do we have at wide receiver? Is anybody going to step up here? Uh, because, you know, Paul Richardson's left a, a little bit on the table. Um, you know, Dotson you know, got close to a big touchdown grab against the Colts, but just hasn't really been a consistent player. And Jameson Crowder's, you know, a, a nice complimentary short area target, but he can't be the centerpiece of your wide receiver core. Uh, and I think that's something that's proving to be true this year. So they're really trying to remake that core, and, and it really makes all those guys nearly unplayable for me, uh, especially with how – you know, they do look improved on the backside, the the Green Bay Packers do. Um, even though you look at the, it's like, oh, they got torched by Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. But, like, those guys are really fucking good. Really? Uh, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure the Redskins, well, I know the Redskins don't have anyone in that class. I agree. I, I, I mean, Rashad Perryman, there's not a, another, there's not a better wide receiver out there. Um, without just looking for a job, that guy's just, uh, it seems so weird. There's, there's got to be someone that's better uh, than him that you can sign. I, I don't understand that one at all. But, yeah, the wide receiver action there looks awful. I have Crowder in a couple leagues, and he's pretty much unplayable. I can see him being a, a, a real real early in the season drop. Um, why not? All right, let's uh, take, do a quick moment here, and uh, we'll do a live read for a product that we are – Sponsoring for this season, and um, here we go. Want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. You may ask, how does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster and your league scoring system. SquadQL provides waiver wire and trade recommendations, plus the app gives you player rankings each week, and it's all based on your league settings. SquadQL truly is your go-to app this fantasy football season. Head to SquadQL.com. To download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android systems. So check that out. Pretty sweet little thing. I love these little uh, integrations that they've got now out on these interwebs. Check out squad ql all right let's um you got anything to say about jordan reed i mean he's kind of he was a guy that i think all of us were super pumped about heading into the season again we got to temper and, and continually say this throughout this show while we're talking about week three it's just two weeks let's not go crazy let's not sensationalize every single thing there are issues that are at hand here players that are dropping the ball so far are actually dropping passes 
Um, you know, it's it's two weeks that we as Fag opened the show and said, "Hey, you got to figure stuff out in this world." Um, by seeing the games and getting back on the field, the same is true for the NFL players. These guys are, are kind of getting to know in a lot of instances who, who's on their team, how their how their players gel together, and it's it just the it's just the way it goes. So, um, anything you got to say about Reed or any of the other players on the Redskins? And uh, it, then after that, let's hop on to the next game. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with Jordan Reed and you know the landscape of current tight ends. Um, he does have a touchdown catch uh, and has been targeted at least five times in each game. So I think he's a guy you want to keep plugging in your lineup, and you know, especially in this matchup, you know, plug plug and play. Cool. Let's uh, let's head over to the Indianapolis Colts. We'll be going to visit the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, let's start with the Colts. Obviously, some big news on the Eagles side of the ball. Um, what do you uh, what do you think here? Uh, the Colts are they going to be able to pull this thing around? Uh, is, is is Andrew Luck? You know, is he ready to is he ready to make some things happen? I think one of the things that was that was mentioned by a number of people, but maybe with Pat Dorman uh, at the beginning of the preseason, um, just about how short Luck's throws were, his average throws, um, and just kind of not not really winging it and, and testing out his arm and. He needs to do that to get you know T.Y. Hilton on some of those nice uh, chuck it balls. Um, so he he's really not throwing the ball too far down the field on any of his attempts. Um, what are your thoughts on on Andrew Luck in, in this matchup against one of the best defenses in the league uh, and one that brings the heat uh, from their defensive linemen? What do you think about Luck? And then just kind of spiral from there on what else you have to what else you're thinking on some of these players. I mean, Andrew Luck has had, you know, his two first games of the season have been two of his bottom five yards in terms of air yards per attempt. He's not throwing the ball down the field, but that might be part of the plan here. You know, his completion percentage is up. uh, His sack percentage is down. So it might just be efficiency trying to take care of the football with Andrew Luck, take care of Andrew Luck in term, from a health standpoint that's you know changing things. But overall, for a fantasy owner, this, that's not the best news, um, especially for T.Y. Hilton, who you know is a deep ball artist. Hilton has done a lot you know this season, however, you know working underneath. After the catch, he's been he looked really improved in those areas. So I, he's a guy who's still in the wide receiver two conversation on, on a weekly basis, uh, and I don't think that changes this week, even against a tough Philadelphia Eagles defense. They, they're just trying to take care of Luck, um, and, and I do think as the season progresses, there's going to be more and more of these deep shots taken. But right now, it's all part of the plan. You know, you've got you've gotten to one and one. Uh, you beat the Redskins pretty handily last week in a game that you had, you know, a lot of control over. Um, you know, the run game. It, it's still a you know backfield by committee. Marlon Mack returning last week. He didn't return as a bell cow. Uh, you know, Hines, Wilkins, and Mack all got involved. Uh, Hines is the guy who ended up scoring the rushing touchdown. Uh, but the rest of the guys are, are all still involved, getting more touches. Uh, and they were leading there. So, you know, Hines didn't have these, you know, big catch numbers that he did in week one. So, you know, these are all guys that are like 
RB4s. You know, they're probably clogging spots on your roster, and it's hard for them to see a clear path to a bigger workload unless one of these guys gets injured. And even then, it's still likely to be a two-headed committee behind an offensive line that struggles as run blockers. So, you know, I think if you've owned any of these runners, you're a little bit uh, hesitant and, you know, they can all be considered possible drops. Um, it was funny. So, with the, with, with uh, Mac, they really started out the game featuring him. And it was just kind of like, all right, this guy's looking all right. He's looking pretty healthy. And they were on their first uh, two, three drives. It was all Mac. And then they just kind of put him into neutral. And that uh, that that stopped. And then it started being, you know, kind of a full-on community approach. Uh, but, yeah, anybody that was, that was keeping an eye out and had Mac on their radar or had him sitting on their team was uh, feeling pretty pumped at the, uh, after the first couple drives. Um, but then obviously it, it didn't, it didn't continue on. What about, yeah. uh, what about any, anybody else to talk about Ebron second week with the touchdown? It looks like, um, you know, he's going to be a guy that is, is probably pretty touchdown dependent, but so far so good. Um, I'm going to talk about him for a minute while I pull up some, uh, some numbers on him for, for stats or talk about anybody on the, on the Colts. Yeah. Eric Ebron's been a guy who's basically been a, you know, pass catcher only. They're not asking him to be a a blocking tight end. They're leaving that to Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle's playing nearly 100% of the snaps. He's a a great blocker. He's doing everything well, uh, and he's getting a few targets a game. But, you know, being somebody who's not explosive, uh, he's not getting much. But they're designing plays for Eric Ebron. They're, they're running wheel routes from bunch formations that allow him to get one-on-one on safeties and linebackers to use his size. Uh, so, you know, as long as they keep scheming Eric Ebron into the game, and it's going to be good. Um, he's just probably going to be one of these back-end tight end ones that are a little bit more volatile because he's not getting consistent targets or, you know, consistent playing time, even though he's probably going to be in on 75% of pass attempts. Yeah, right now Ebron's got uh, nine targets, catching seven of them uh, for 77 yards and two TDs, while you've got Doyle's got 15 targets, catching nine of them uh, for 80 yards, but as we know, no touchdowns. And like you said, Doyle's snap count is is he's in on essentially every play. Um, all right, let's move on. Any, any – uh, Anybody that you think on the Colts or anything that you think can, can come up, player, Grant Grant was someone that was kind of a pickup for people. Last. Is Hines with that nice run that he made, um, is, is he start getting some more touches or is this a team you're sort of fading? They won last Fate? week. No? Yeah, didn't they, are they 2-0? and No, they one won. They lost first week. But, yeah, I don't know. This is a team that might be better – fantasy than we're giving them credit for, especially if they start letting uh, Luck uh, rip the ball a little bit. All right, let's go over to the Eagles side. Obviously, huge news. I'm surprised by it. Um, God, I hope everything's good with that knee and nothing bad happens. But Carson Wentz cleared to play, is the starter week three. Just wonder if they if the Eagles hadn't lost last weekend to see the starter week three is uh, I don't know it's a little scary for your franchise quarterback to do that 
for me. Um, and then on the flip side, you've also got AJ uh, JHI uh, looking like he might be uh, they might he might be a sit this week. Uh, he's ailing. What else? Uh, what else are you seeing uh, with the Eagles? There was some news that maybe they were trying to get Josh Gordon because they're a little bit concerned with their wide receiver crew now that uh, Mike Wallace. Uh, what he break his ankle or something? Or no, his femur. So he broke like his leg, snapped his leg. Ugh, terrible. Yeah. So my thing with Carson Wentz, he was always gonna play when he was medically cleared. He's been medically cleared, so it's no worries. Um, now, the only thing you're sort of worried about now is if you know Doug Peterson said they're not gonna have any patients on him as a passer and that they think he's going to be capable to do all the things he does in terms of extending plays and running RPOs and read options. But I do think those, you know, read option style plays are going to be a little bit more limited here early in the season. They've got to let him get a feel for it. Um, They've got to let the pass rush, you know, affect him and see what happens from there. So, you know, I'm not worried about Carson Wentz and, and against this Colts secondary. I think you could pretty much instantly slot him in as a top 10 QB uh, or as a, you know, top 10, top 12 to where he's in your lineup. Uh, he's probably a guy you've been waiting around for and now you finally get him back. Um, but maybe you've had the Fitzpatrick, you know, fill in for Carson Wentz. And that's been a great pair. And I don't think you go Fitzpatrick over Carson Wentz. But you know, if you have Wednesday, no, a Monday night against the Steelers after seeing what you after seeing what we just saw, Mahomes um, do. Oh man, I, I think you ride the hot hand. But I said you go Fitzpatrick over oh. Carson Wentz. Oh, sorry, I thought you said I don't think you do that. My bad. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You okay? I thought you said I don't think I don't think you bench Carson Wentz. Uh, you bench Carson Wentz if yeah. you have Ryan Patrick. But if, if you've been going like Nick Foles as your fill-in, I think you obviously know what you're doing there. <laughs> but, right. you know. What are they Carson wide receiver to fill in that uh, that the, the injury to Williams? Uh, when does um, Alshon Jeffrey come back from the shoulder issue? I mean, it's probably going to be a couple more weeks. I'd bet something like week four, week five, but you know they obviously had indications from their doctors that it would be earlier than what the pup would allow. So uh, I, I'd expect it in the next week, week or two, but this week seems unlikely, um, and that leaves Nelson Aguilar in a good spot with the quarterback, you know, who he looked extremely comfortable with last year, uh, and, and then Corey Clement, the guy who's likely to step in for Jai. They had also you know, elevated Josh Adams from their practice squad, who's going to fill in a, a lot as maybe an early down rusher. Um, so, you know, a guy to keep a guy an eye on here is Corey Clement. But Zach Ertz is probably the biggest beneficiary. He's been seeing the targets from Nick Foles, but uh, another guy whose throws have been short has, has been Nick Foles. So, you know, Ertz getting a little bit further down the field and still seeing, you know, 10 to 12 targets is something that's likely. So fantasy owners got to be excited for that outcome. Um, but, you know, this is going to be a late and see situation. Um, you know, Shelton Gibson, 
and the rest of the crew have got a lot of proving it on the field to do, and it just hasn't happened yet. Um, but Alshon probably back for the next couple weeks. Right now, it looks like the Earths and the running back out of the backfield show. Agreed. Um, yeah, I like that Clement call. Um, I don't know if it's my internet. Could be I'm in Michigan, but you're breaking up a little bit, Stags. Um, but it could be it could be my internet. So um, hopefully the conference does us right, and it sounds good when we uh, finally get the final uh, download. Um, but yeah, let's move on to our next game. But before we do so, let's listen to a word from our sponsor. Thank you. The Bills are going to be at the Vikings. This sounds like a blowout. Um, Let's start with the Bills, one of the craziest stories that I've ever heard in all the time that I've been, I almost said covering the NFL. Um, Just as a fan, listening, having Pyromaniac, I've never heard a story like the one uh, with Devonta Davis uh, retiring at halftime. he issued a statement yesterday kind of just saying he's at peace with his decision and he didn't want to screw anybody over. But that's pretty crazy to come back in at halftime and be like, I'm done. I'm not going back out there. I played my last minute in the NFL, and I made my decision. When you do it that way, even if you did want to come back, no one's ever signing you again. Uh, let's talk about fantasy football and the offensive implications. Uh, Josh Allen actually looked like total dung poop in his first half. It started to look a little more comfortable um, in the second half in his first game uh, as a starter in the NFL. Um, can you uh, see anything happening for anyone on this fantasy team um, at all uh, throughout this season uh, in this game? If not, if so, let it be heard. If not, let's move on and say fade this team because I-, I want nothing to do with anybody. I mean – your biggest hope for fantasy relevance is a LaShawn McCoy trade at this point. He's got either broken ribs or rib cartilage damage or something along those lines. Besides that, you're hoping that Josh Allen keeps running quarterback powers in the red zone and scores a few rushing touchdowns if you have him in a super flex. Uh, the rest of the guys, you know, Kelvin Benjamin did catch a touchdown last week, but Otherwise unimpressive. Yeah, let's go to the Vikings. Um, <laughs> the Vikings. Like, against the Bills, it's pretty easy. You start everyone. You start Stephon Diggs. You start Kirk Cousins. You start Adam Thielen. You start Kyle Rudolph. Uh, you know, you start Dalvin Cook. The only question is, do they roll enough quickly that then, you know, Latavius Murray comes in because we've sort of seen that he's the closer early in the season. Is there a chance that they're just up 28 nothing? They're like, all right, uh, you're on the bench this week. Uh, their depth at running back has been, you know, a lot of the guys, Rock Thompson and Mike Boone, have both been inactive for the first two weeks. But I wonder if there's a chance that they keep even a third back active in this game in order to get some run for another guy they like, you know? Um, But I I think it's pretty clear uh, you're going with most of the Vikings here and you're not hesitating one bit. One thing uh, to note, and just to put this out there, I'll be putting the show out um, tonight after we're done recording, but 
Dan Bailey signed with the Vikings, obviously after Carlson, you know, lost the game for him or tied the game for him, I guess. Um, so Dan Bailey, I think he's the first or second most accurate kicker in the history of the NFL. He was, from what I've read, he was holding out to get the right team and get on a team that he could, uh, you know, go deep in and be a, a, become a champion with. Uh, looks like he's signed on with the right crew. He is the Vikings starting kicker moving forward. With that team, with that defense, with that talent on offense, um, there are going to be a lot of points being scored from Dan Bailey uh, moving forward. So if he's available in your league, which he is, you should take him, and hopefully you got a high waiver wire spot, or hopefully people just aren't even caring about picking up kickers. Uh, Zig when others zag. I would love to have that guy as my kicker on the team. Let's go on to the next game. Uh, unless you got anything else for the Vikings, basically start them all in this matchup. Move on? Yep. All right. The Raiders are meeting up down in Miami with the Dolphins. Raiders uh, in the last game, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. I'm sure you might, but Derek Carr in that loss had one of the most, I think the most, um, one of the best games in NFL history as far as um, completion percentage and yardage and not having uh, interceptions. So very, very efficient game for Derek Carr. Um, But yet again, they still weren't able to pull it out. In this matchup with the Dolphins, who I think right now, I think the Dolphins are like the fifth best defense um, through two games uh, this season. Yeah, they let the, the Titans and the Jets uh, have only scored a total of 32 points against Miami, uh, which makes them fourth overall um, in scoring. So they're, they're kind of putting on a nice number. Again, it's the Jets and the Titans. Um, so, you know, maybe that's something to be said. Um, and it is, but there you go. And at the end of the day, they're 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 putting some teams. They're making it hard for teams to score on. Uh, what else you got to say about the Raiders? Anything on Carr? Just across the board. What do you What are your thoughts on these guys? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going out and starting Derek Carr, but you know, it was a great game, and he completed ninety percent of his passes. Uh, he's the only quarterback ever to apparently complete 90% of his passes on 30 or more attempts. Uh, So, you know, very efficient. Amari Cooper heavily involved in the game. You know, we we talked about Gruden game planning and and trying to attack the weak spots on a defense, and and that's something that definitely happened last week. Um, And they did get uh, Cooper more and more involved in the game plan. So that, that was good to see. Uh, Jordy still hasn't had, you know, a, a breakout game. And against the Dolphins, they look pretty tough at cornerback. Uh, just they're allowed uh, in terms of receptions, just under 50% of receptions have gone to wide receivers uh, against the Dolphins. They, they've been much more allowable to, you know, uh, passes to running backs and passes to tight ends. So maybe this is a game where Jared Cook is more involved. So you've seen his success in this offense over the last two weeks. So he's a guy who needs to remain in your lineups. But I, I'm not advocating seeing Cooper either. I think he needs to be out there. We need to wait and see on Jordy Nelson. Um, and, and at running back, 
this is probably a game where Marshawn Lynch can you know have success. He's been scoring touchdowns when they get in the red zone, and I think that's his area where he's going to you know be successful. I, I don't see that going away. Um, and that's really it for the Raiders. I mean, I don't want to start Carr, but I guess if you're desperate, you could do worse. But he's just not a guy I've ever really wanted to start in fantasy. Well, I know. Um, I don't disagree, man. Uh, all right, let's move on over to Dolphins' side of the equation. Um, what are you? Uh, what are you? What are you feeling there? Obviously, Stills lit it up week one. I think he was the. I think he was the number one wide receiver in week one, maybe number two. Uh, and then this week he kind of fell back to earth. What are your expectations for him or anybody on that receiving core uh, moving forward? I mean, I, I think Stills is going to have a nice game here. Uh, it, it sort of lines up well. He's probably going to be covered by a, a young cornerback in Gary Ann Connolly, uh, who's, you know, been decent, hasn't been great. We haven't seen any major takeaway plays from him as of yet. Um, and, you know, what he's given up hasn't been awful either. But, you know, I, I think this is a game where Kenyon Drake could really have, you know, a bit of a liftoff. They've been using, you know, two back sets. Um, they've been using Gore and Drake, um, you know, as complimentary runners. Drake has gotten the majority of the share in both games. But right now, Miami is the run-heaviest team in the league. And against the Raiders, who have allowed the six most fantasy points to opposing running backs and have allowed 265 yards rushing to running backs, um, I, I think you're good to go with Kenyon Drake this week. And I think you know this could be a game where he has a little bit of a breakout, maybe asserts himself over Frank Gore a little bit more. Um, you know, Gore, been awesome, though. As a... Number two back, you know what you're going to get. He's looked, you know, fairly explosive and always seems to get what's blocked for him. Uh, and the Dolphins line hasn't looked as bad as we thought. Um, and, you know, just looking at this Raiders team after, you know, it, it, they were gassed late in that game. You never want to play in Denver in September. But, uh, you know, I, I like the running backs in this one. Kenny Stills, they're not seeing anything from their you know, tight ends, and their secondary pieces have been mixing and matching. It's been a little bit of Jakeem Grant. It's been a little bit of Albert Wilson. It's been a little bit of Amendola. Uh, and Devontae Parker is a guy who they sat last week, even though they say he was healthy enough to play. So that's concerning for the long run. You think um, with Gore, if you're, on, if you're on a team that's got a long bench, uh, do you like him as a, as a handcuff if, if Drake goes down? Is Gore going to all of a sudden get a, a lot of a uh, lot more opportunities, or will they filter that out and figure another place to go and just keep on giving him the same kind of load that they're giving him right now, just due to age and whatnot? I mean, I don't think Gore has an opportunity to, you know, suddenly step in and be a bell cow again. He's gotten just nine carries in each of the first two games. Um, you know, in the first game he chunked plays for 61 yards and then last week struggled a bit to the tune of just 25 yards rushing but he did catch a 19 yard pass he's just solid like i don't think he's ever going to be 
uh, more. I, I do think if anything were to happen, Colleen Bellage would get a lot bigger workload, and he was a guy who was, you know, inactive last week. Got it. Cool. Let's uh, let's move on to the Broncos. They're going to visit the Ravens. Um, we'll start with the Broncos. Obviously, um, it's looking like uh, Lindsey is uh, the rookie out of Colorado playing in Denver. Um, is 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 the real deal? Uh, I think a lot of us thought Royce Freeman was going to be um, not the bell cow, but the starter and and kind of be a beast out of the gates as a rookie. And in all honesty, he had the touchdown this week, but it's, it's really been um, the other youngster. So uh, is that going to keep going? Can his body take this punishment? Uh, and then after we talk about that, let's move out into uh, some of the other positions. I think there's a lot to talk about with the Broncos. I mean, it, it's been a lot of a three-man show in terms of snaps, but Lindsay's been the main proponent uh in terms of, you know, being a sort of impactful running back, right? Um, he's, you know, breaking off plays at a 6.1-yard rushing chunk. Uh, he's caught three pa- just three passes for 35 yards, but one did go for a touchdown. Um, 15 and 14 attempts in the first two weeks. He's had the most consistent sort of rushing workload uh, of the two backs when you look at him and Freeman. Uh, Freeman had just, you know, eight attempts last week, but did score. Uh, And the most concerning part for Freeman is he has just one target over those two games. And he's a guy who caught a ton of passes at the collegiate level from the running back position. So, you know, without that, you know, work as a receiver, it's sort of tough to see how any of these guys are going to, you know, be great fantasy players. Uh, they could like Lindsay right now. I think you got to roll with them as like an RB two flex play. Freeman's a flex play. Booker's on the end of your bench, maybe uh, waiver wire fodder. I I I've been a you know Booker proprietor, um, and I, I got that bet wrong. I was betting on the other side of the committee on Royce Freeman. Everybody was so high. He got up to third rounds in ADP. So you know in the tenth, twelfth rounds, I was drafting Devontae Booker. It doesn't. Um, look like you know it's gonna pay off. But speaking of uh, speaking of looking like Philip Lindsay looks like Delonte West. You seen this guy? He looks like the remember Delonte West, the guy that you, that uh, that banged LeBron's mom. <laughs> yeah, remember, remember the hoops player? He, he, most of his career was on the the Celtics, but he played with LeBron at one point, and Delonte stick. He used to give shade to uh, LeBron that he banged his mom while he was on the team with her. But yeah, um, him. But yeah, Philip Lindsay looks like Delonte West. Speaking of lookalikes, anyway, I um, I went all in on Royce Freeman, and you know I still like him long term. I mean, this Philip Lindsay guy's five eight, one ninety. Uh, I I just he's got twenty nine carries so far this year, one hundred seventy eight yards. Like I said, six average, no touchdowns, all great and dandy, but. Um, you know, I, I just don't know if this is a guy that can be getting 15 carries a game over the long haul of the season. I hope I'm wrong. It's a great story. He's, he was born in Denver, played at Colorado. He was undrafted. He's playing in Denver. Uh, all this is my kind of guy. Um, 
but it, it seems like maybe we were sitting here in four weeks and this kind of tapers off to me. Yeah. Um, Lindsay's Lindsay's been a guy who's been underrated. Uh, you know, he didn't get an invite to the combine, but now, you know, I've got to ride it until it's dead. Um, he's a guy with the big workload at the collegiate level. So it doesn't look like his size was much of a factor there. The NFL does seem to play favorites in terms of size most of the time, but 15 and 14 carries is definitely encouraging. Um, I think you continue to ride him until it stops uh, at the wide receiver position. I think you're looking at, you know, Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas is, you know, wide receiver threes this week. Uh, the Ravens have been, you know, fairly tough, but they did just get beat up against, um, you know, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, and then a lot of that work did come from the slot. Uh, and that's where Emmanuel Sanders should be spending most of his time. So he's probably the guy I'll end up with higher in my ranks this week. Um, let me just make sure I said that right. Uh, but, you know, uh, Cortland Sutton has been getting involved. There's been targets. There's been red zone attempts. It just hasn't really clicked. Uh, so we're just waiting for that click moment. And then, but if you have a deeper bench, that's a guy who deserves to be owned because the opportunity is there. This looks like a team that's going to have to, they're, they're running a sort of a run and gun style and just letting Case Keenum do what he does. And, you know, uh, it's good for fantasy. Yep. Cool. Um, if you guys hear some uh, geese in the background, I'm sorry I had to open the door. It was just getting too sweltering hot in here. Um, so if you hear geese, it's just kind of like um, that as- atmospheric background music, like you're listening to uh, a Verve song or an Oasis track. Um, I'll try and close in a minute, but right now it's just it's just so hot in here. Um, but I'm gonna go get some fresh balls and throw them on my uh, throw them on my junk. Let's go to the Raven side of the ball. <laughs> I saw a, a stat that I thought was pretty funny in fantasy right now. Lamar Jackson has more fantasy points than Sam Bradford. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> um, so the Ravens on offense, if they would throw out the Lamar Jackson gadget wide receiver plays. I like them a lot more, but it seems like something they're content to do. Uh, you know, Flacco's playing all right. He, he did make some mistakes earlier in that Cincinnati game, but when he makes mistakes, they seem willing to, you know, let him throw afterwards. So that's encouraging. John Brown really uh, looks indoctrinated in the offense. You know, he's a great wide receiver, wide receiver pickup. Uh, in terms of air yards, he's had two of the top five games so far this season. So there, he's a guy they're getting trying to get the ball too deep, uh, and just on these intermediate routes, in breakers, outs. So John Brown's a guy I want. Crabtree's sort of a touchdown or bust wide receiver three flex play, who's going to get sort of short area targets. If you look at it. You know, Crabtree's sort of the Quincy and Noon one right now. Um, and then, you know, Nick Boyle, uh, Mark Andrews, 
Max Williams triumvirate at tight end until Hayden Hurst returns. Uh, they've been putting up points, but locking down which one's actually going to score the touchdown is easier said than done. So if you're playing team tight ends, you could do worse than Baltimore. You could do worse than Baltimore. But if you have to pick one of the guys to play, I think it's you know fairly tough. I do hope Andrews is a guy who can continue to remain involved. Alex Collins is the big hot topic you know, Friday, um, you know, he's had the two ends of the spectrum hit. He fumbled and it was a giant blowout. So maybe they didn't want to run him then. Maybe they wanted to teach him a lesson. And then they got blown out early um, by Cincinnati and they had to play catch up, which left Javorius Allen, you know, heavily involved. But Allen's been a guy who's been getting a lot of red zone looks for them. And when you're a big bruiser like Collins is, that those are the sort of the looks you look for, especially with his running style, even though, you know, Allen's bigger. Um, Allen seems like he's been an underrated guy uh, over the course of his short career. We we overrated him early. Yeah. And then fell off, and now we're underrating him. So, yeah. I think they call that a post-hype sleeper. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I do think Collins is a RB2 or flex play. Who? Collins. And Allen's probably a flex play as well, especially in PPR leagues. Got it. All right, before we go to the next game, help us keep the lights on and listen to this. Sweet. All right, we've got the Bengals at the Panthers. As we talked about earlier, Mixon uh, banged up, going to be out for a little bit. So Giovanni Bernard, if he's uh, someone that you can pick up off the waiver wire, um, a lot of people, including Stag Party, believe uh, he's going to be able to kind of take the role and run with it. Um, You know, you got friggin' Dalton's on fire to some degree, uh, coming out gunning so far this season. He's sitting right now as the number, come on, Lutsky. Of course, slow load when I'm doing that. He's ninth, He's number nine at uh, QB right now through two games. Uh, he's got six TDs, which is uh, impressive. And um, obviously a lot of those came in that four TD game he threw on Thursday night last week. But um, good times all around there. What are your expectations Um Give us a little quick blow-by-blow on the Bengals, and then um, maybe we blow through the Panthers as well. Yeah, so Andy Dalton. This is a good one by Field Yates and Matthew Barry uh, at ESPN. So he's now played a full season under Bill Lazor, the offensive coordinator. His numbers during that time, 3,434 passing yards, 31 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Uh, Those 31 touchdowns, only two players have more in the NFL, Russell Wilson and Tom Brady, uh, over that touchdown span, or over that 16-game span. So Andy Dalton's been, you know, doing it. They haven't been putting up big yardage games, but the touchdowns have been there, Um, you know, that four touchdown game sort of was the icing on the cake. Um, so, you know, as a top 12, he was probably 
he's probably underrated in draft season. And now if you're streaming, you pick them up over the waiver wire uh, for that first game against the Colts, you can continue to hold, hold them, even though the Panthers have been, you know, pretty tough on defense at times. Uh, it does look like the Bengals are going to have to go with the more spread style, quick, hurry up passing game, throw the ball to geo, throw the ball to green, uh, you know, try to hit John Ross on a big play, Tyler Boyd, uh, Tyler Eifert. I, I, I think the Joe Mixon injury takes out a lot of these ground and pound style runs that they were running early in the year. It makes them go a little bit more spread zone read style looks for Dalton and Geo. Um, and, and I think that could help the offense in the long run. Whenever, so, whenever Dalton kind of just trusts his best player and, and throws it and hits uh, AJ green and just, uh, you know, just trusts him. Great things happen, and I feel like the good seasons he does that, and his poor seasons he doesn't. And obviously, you know, they go hand in hand. Where AJ's poor seasons happen when Dalton is scared to kind of throw before the break and throw to the route, and it's it's just it's unbelievable that I think Dalton hope I think Dalton and Lazar and, and the whole team watch the games that they've succeeded. And obviously, it's different competition and different um, guys guarding each week and different defensive schemes. But I think they've gone back and realized: listen, it's be- AJ's good at playing defense when the play is not right. Uh, we just got to feed the beast, and it, it, you can just see that in that first half of Thursday night's game. And I've had AJ on my team enough, and he's one of my favorite players. I mean, I watch the Bengals a lot of the time. I watch them a, a majority of their games, and. Whenever Dalton just kind of just releases and kind of just stops being such a pansy and just throws throws to the route, it is a it's a glorious thing. So hopefully this maintains. It's the same thing where Dalton's been a, a hot starter and a hot closer. He he can be streaky. So hopefully uh, you know a lot of this. He's at a point in his career where it's like, all right, buddy, put up or shut up. So hopefully this is uh. This is a good thing and to continue. I like the Bengals moving forward. I'm bummed out for uh, Mixon and the injury. I, I, again, watching the games, like three kind of tackles that I felt like he could have or should have maybe broken would have resulted in big plays. I feel like he's like three real close uh, hair tackles to a much bigger season this far, thus far. But he's going to go out for a bit, probably four weeks. And um, if you can get Giovanni to, as his replacement, do it. What about Walton, uh, the rookie guy? Uh, is there any is there any place for him to fill in while this is gone, or is he just kind of out of the uh, out of the order? Yeah, I mean he's going to have to. I don't think they're going to use Geo for you know twenty to twenty five touches a game. I think he's going to be more in that fifteen to eighteen realm. So that leaves Walton in the area of you know maybe he's getting ten to twelve touches uh, that Geo was seeing at times last year. Um, he didn't really see that big of a workload so far this season, but um, Mixon was seeing such a large share of the carries and targets out of the backfield that Geo was an afterthought. Uh, Walton probably steps up into an area where he's a little bit more involved in the backfield committee than Geo was. Nice. Let's move on to the Panther side of the ball. 
Um, I'll just let you kind of uh, do your thing there. Um, run with it, Cam. CC Mac. It's Christian McCaffrey. He looked awesome last week. You know, catching nearly everything that was thrown to him. You know, making people miss. Uh, still isn't getting a giant uh, run share, but you know they they sort of abandoned the run. Um, you know, Cam himself is, you know, had, you know, his performance was good. 335 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He rushed for 42 yards on just five carries. Uh, but he played a lot of catch-up in that game. Lanos looked like they were in control. Um, but I'm not fading Cam at this point because it looks like Cam and McCaffrey are, are the main components of that offense uh, beyond that, DJ Moore took a big play to the house. He's a guy who just needs to play more snaps. Uh, they got to find a way to get him involved over Jarius Wright, uh, over Torrey Smith. He, they've got to find a way to get him more and more involved in the offense. Uh, and that's something I hope that continues because he's a big play waiting to happen, whether it's vertically down the field or after the catch. You know, Devin Funches in games without Greg Olson is a totally different wide receiver. He sees more and more targets. Cam's a guy who likes to lock on to his receivers. Uh, and, and without Olson on the field, you know, Funches is typically his first read, and then he's checking down to McCaffrey. So I, I think you play Cam, you play McCaffrey, and you play Funches. Uh, the rest are done. And this is also a tough game for Funches, but uh, – it's hard to not like him because of that big target share. You um, with, with the news with Greg Olson, obviously out, hurt his foot again, but not getting surgery. The news out of Carolina and, and, and Olson himself is like, I'm going to wait four weeks, you know, a month. It's not not ideal, but for longer benches or teams that are two and zero right now and feel like they've got a good good thing going, but maybe not great at tight end. Would you pick up an Olsen? And I'm saying this is someone that's had him on my team in my big money league, and I, I dropped him. Thinking about maybe picking him up back again in a couple weeks. Um, do you think that's a good move? Is that a strategic move? Or do you think this is wishful thinking in the front office and, and, and kind of at the PR level where Olsen is going to kind of be longer in four weeks and maybe he comes back and – at week 12 or something, and even when he comes back, he's damaged goods. What's, what are your, what's your take on Olsen, his injury, and can you zig and zag and, and run when other people are walking and, and pick him up and kind of just store him away until, you know, the, the end of the season? Yeah, um, it's tough. Uh, you know, this is one of those injuries that can linger. We've seen it with Jordan Reed. Uh, you know these foot injuries aren't great uh, for being healthy and explosive. So he's probably somebody I'm shying away from. But if you're absolutely desperate uh, in a couple weeks and you're trying to stream, uh, I do think you could take a shot. Yeah, well, we'll find out if I'm desperate. Right now, I'm basically. Um... I'm pretty, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty desperate. I'm basically Dave Chappelle. The one thing where he's got all the white lips is <laughs> the meme where he wants a, he wants a wing for, for five cents or, or a penny. 
I'm basically in that spot right now. Um, and I think other players are too. There, but it's nice. There's a, there's a nice stream ability at tight end um, happening right now that some, some, a lot of variant points are happening. You just got to make sure it's the right guy. But I feel like a lot of people out there might be in the same situation as I am. And I was just wondering what you thought about uh, Olsen and moving forward. All right. Should we move on to the next game? Yeah. Giants at Texans. Woo. Right now, Odell Beckham Jr., the highest paid wide receiver in the history of the NFL, is 39th at the wide receiver position. People are bummed out. He's probably got the – He's, he's one of the top target getters, but he, they're just like, he what, 24 targets, 15 catches, 162 yards, zero touchdowns through two, two games. Do things change in this game, or is it going to be hard with that offensive line? It's going to be hard with just Eli and the Asian. It's going to be hard because there's more miles to feed, especially with Barkley. What, what's going to happen with the Giants? How does this – Let's talk about the Giants team, but is OBJ a good buy low guy? Um, is OBJ going to have a tough season? I mean, it, it's half and half, right? Like, uh, OBJ is a good buy because we know he's going to score touchdowns uh, against the you know toughest defense in the league in week one. The guy had 11 receptions on 15 targets for 111 yards. So you weren't complaining about his production then. Um, Last week, they just didn't seem to have any continuity. Um, and against you know the Houston Texans, I could see that offensive line becoming a problem. That offensive line was a problem all along. Eli Manning's a problem. But Eli Manning has to trust him and just make these plays to where he's just trusting that Odell's going to get it. And we're going to see that more and more as the season progresses. Overall, you're just worried about this offense, man. They haven't scored, you know, over 28 or they scored 28 points one time in 2016. Besides that, they haven't had a 30 point game since the 2015 season. Um, The real big games just aren't coming for the Giants, um, unfortunately, on, on the scoreboard. But Odell's such a dynamic player that you shouldn't be worried. If you're going to buy low, I, I can see doing that. I, I just don't know if Odell owners are going to sell knowing the talent that he has. Um, you know, Sterling Shepard you know, really hasn't been all that involved in the offense, uh, has just 12 targets, which is half of Odell's through two games. And he's been a – you know, four for 40 type of player so far. Um, So unless he's scoring touchdowns, um, you're not really that happy. He's a guy who could probably pretty safely been dropped. Cody Latimer was actually a guy who looked a little bit better in that week two game. And, you know, they were throwing him vertical down the sideline, which is something that Odell's likely to see. But it, it looks like it's Evan Ingram, and it looks like it's Odell Beckham, and it looks like it's Saquon Barkley. And Shepard's a lot lower down the totem pole than we thought. I still don't think you want to go out and start Eli Manning, but Odell's going to be fine. Yeah. Well, you saw Barkley. It's been kind of a awesome thing to see. Got it. 100-yard game rushing in his first in their loss to Jacksonville. 
And then last week, he basically couldn't get anything going on in the running game, but had 16 targets and 14 catches um, receiving. So we know that he's the, he's the complete package. He's the dynamic package. And they're going to use the game script and, and the actual opportunities that people are giving him to make sure that he succeeds or contributes to what the offense needs on him. Um, so, yeah, pumped on him. Is that for this game – Right now, with that turnstile offensive line, you got the Texans who have that badass defensive front. Uh, could be more Eli scrambling for his life. They're just going to have to get the ball out a little faster. Did you mention anything with Evan Ingram? If not, uh, or don't care to, let's move over to the Texans side. I Hold mean, on. Evan Ingram. Sorry. Evan Ingram. <laughs> Evan Ingram is seeing enough targets that you're, you're not really too concerned about him. He's seen, uh, you know, 12 targets through two games, five and seven, and ended up catching an easy touchdown pass in the end of that Dallas game, uh, despite it, you know, sort of being out of hand already. But Ingram's a guy who's going to be a lot more up and down than he was last season, but he's such a uh, matchup threat that it's hard to sort of fade away from him too far, especially, you know, when you look at other options at tight end. All right, let's go over to the um, Texans. So the Texans, they got Will Fuller back. Deshaun Watson did struggle early in that game, but then, you know, seemed to put it together later. Uh, You know, had a pretty big game, but in the context of – every sort of quarterback blowing up. Uh, it, it didn't look giant on the scoreboard, um, you know, comparatively, but he, he put up 22.8 points, uh, completed 68% of his passes, threw for over 300 yards, rushed for another 44, and has had at least 40 yards rushing in both games uh, this season. You know, they did end up 0-2, so now they've really got to start to try and pile together wins here. Um, so, you know, Newt has been a little bit banged up so far this season and entered the game questionable, but, you know, caught a big touchdown pass, uh, you know, and Watson was sort of scrambling. And, you know, his play-extending ability, we were worried about his knee, hasn't really shown up in a big way. It's been there. Uh, we thought we thought it might be something that was a little less prevalent because of that knee injury, but it's been there. Um, so uh, as the season progresses, I think it's going to be more and more involved. And Deshaun just looks like when he has Will Fuller and he has that you know speed, vertical threat on the outside, those guys seem to connect, uh, you know, early and often. Um, and you look at how, how big his game was, uh, despite missing the first game, he caught eight of nine targets for 113 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, even despite catching a long touchdown, he also caught a, a bunch of short area passes. Fuller's a, a guy who's really helping Watson, and it, it looks like it's DeAndre Hopkins, Bill Fuller, Deshaun Watson. You know, when when Fuller's healthy and active, he needs to be in your lineup as a wide receiver three or flex play. Um, and then Lamar Miller's a steady but surely RB2 who's going to end up with 50 or 60 yards on the ground and you know, 20 rushing and 
just be consistently boring. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, right now he's averaging 4.9 yards a carry, but he has yet to score a touchdown and has just three receptions for 13 yards. <laughs> like, it's just boring. He's, he's, he has under 20 points in the fantasy season. Uh, not yep. on PPR. Um, all right. Let's go on to our next game. Um, I think we can blow through this one a little bit. I think we're making some good pace here. Uh, Titans at Jaguars. I didn't know. Is, is Mariota's hand feeling a little better? Couldn't grip the ball last week. So it went uh, Blaine Gabbert style. What, what's happening here with the Titans? Yeah, I mean, Mariota was active for that game, but did not play. So they thought in an emergency pinch that they could use him over their third quarterback option. Um, so that that's a little bit encouraging. I, I don't want anything to do with either quarterback uh, for the Titans if they're to end up starting. Um, I don't want anything to do with any of the wide receivers or tight ends. I mean, Johnny Smith played 100% of the snaps last week and did not see a target. Um, like, he looked awesome. Just even his block, at watching the game, not even talking about as a receiver. Like, he looked lost as a blocker, looked lost on alignment and movement. Just, I was watching him because I actually started him in one fucking league, and he just looked lost. Drop that guy now. Yeah, um, 100% of snaps is encouraging. That's, that is that's encouraging. all I got. He just looked fucking lost. Like, I don't think he's going to get the 100% next week. It was weird. Like, literally, one time he came out of the huddle, and Gabbert literally had to go over and, like, tell him to go to the other side of the line. It's like, dude, you're not even on the right side of the fucking line. My dog's freaking out. Um, all right, do a little do a little number. I'm going to let my dog out here for a second. Go on this game. She's scratching at the door. I mean, uh, the rest of the Titans, like, you're starting – Derrick Henry or you're starting Deion Lewis and both of them don't look like, you know, super pristine, great plays. Um, the Titans did end up beating the Jaguars in both games this season, but uh, last season, but the Jaguars have sort of looked like a much different team. The Titans defense sort of did give them fits last year. Um, in, in the first matchup, Derrick Henry was able to break off some big plays uh, 14 carries for 92 yards, but then was much more bottled up in that second game last year. Um, you know, they were – they're an offense that still needs a lot of work, um, and it's hard to see the giant explosion game coming. I don't think it's coming against the Jaguars. I really don't want to start anybody on the Tennessee t- side. I guess the closest guy is Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry, and they're probably both, you know, flex plays uh, at the running back position, or uh, maybe a little less than that. Flipping over to the Jaguars side, they scored just ten and sixteen points uh, against this Titans defense last year. Uh, the Titans defense, you know, has looked pretty stingy to start the season uh in terms of fantasy points and they're just um you know taking care of the ball uh and it's it's been uglier than i've expected on offense but you know 
as a team, they they pulled out a win there, uh, and that was impressive, I, I guess. Blake Bortles looked awesome last week against the Patriots. In, in these games without Leonard Fournette, when they're forced to open it up, they are a much different team. Now, uh, Leonard Fournette is likely to be back in these games. Uh, it, so if he is, I think you're starting him. Um, I, I think you can go with Keelan Cole as well. Uh, and then ASJ at the tight end position is in the streaming realm. Uh, and I do think, you know, Blake Bortles is worth more than a stream this week uh, because of his rushing ability and, and his, you know, that passing we saw last week. And they just let him take shots. And sort of his multitude of receivers, you know, they've got yak ability. They've got vertical stretch ability. It's sort of exciting to see uh, what those guys are doing. Um, you back yet, or are we moving on to this next game? Because I'm done with that. Uh, Let's see here. I guess we're on to the next one. Uh, Before we move on to the next game, let's take a minute to hear from our sponsors. So we've got the San Francisco 49ers versus the Kansas City Chiefs in a battle of two hyped quarterbacks. We've got Jimmy Garoppolo going against Patrick Mahomes. Garoppolo, you know, he's going against the 32nd ranked defense in the NFL. Nobody has given up more fantasy points than the Kansas City Chiefs so far this year. You know, so Jimmy Garoppolo looks like a guy you need in your lineup. Either if they're getting blown out, they're going to have to throw a lot, or if they're keeping pace, um, this offense is going to be very, very efficient um, in getting them the lead. You look at Matt Breida, who's the the league leader in rushing yards right now, uh, and how surprising that is. Uh, It's something that's unlikely to continue at such a rapid pace, especially when you look at the number of carries uh, and what he's breaking off per carry and but his ability to break off a big run was definitely there last week. I uh, did it three different times going for over 20 yards. So, you know, that's something that was exciting to see gives their offense a little bit more of an explosion factor. You know, George Kittle was involved, but not, uh, you know, a dominator like he was in week one. Uh, he's going to continue to be highly, highly involved in this pass offense. Um, and he caught points last week i'm back sorry my dog had that, to pee. I'm, I'm, i figured it out sorry about that yeah that was just uh that was a touchdown game so yep. you know when Selleck scores a touchdown he's likely to be the higher scorer what what i think they ended up with two for 22 each um but the touchdowns is a big different ma- difference maker um you know the rest of the guys is you know, Dante Pettis looked like he was able to create separation. Uh, he had some good plays, and against the corners of the Chiefs, uh, I like him a lot. You know, Goodwin and his quad strain, he's a guy who could be back, but if not, Dante Pettis looks to have a clear role as a wide receiver in this offense. Um, you know, Pierre Garçon may even be fantasy relevant this week because of how bad the Chiefs are on defense. So, you know, I think you start Garoppolo. You start Brita. Uh, you can even give some consideration to Morris 
in a flex role, but you know, at wide receiver, you're hoping Goodwin's out for if you're a Pettis owner, because then it's much more clear. Agreed. All right, let's flip over to the Chiefs side of the ball. It's talking to a Mahomo here. Love that guy. I'm flaming. Obviously, just crushing it. Uh, you know, I know you, Stags. Every time you see him crushing it, you're thinking about our Bears and the fact that Trubisky um, was our guy and you wanted this guy the whole time. And it's just so obvious when you watch him play versus Trubisky uh, that he's just – he's just – this guy's real good. I mean, he's just got a cannon. Um, lots of things happen, though, as results. You know, Hunt Hunt's sitting there, and right now Hunt is uh, – one above Lamar Miller and has no, no, he's got two T, he's got a TD uh, receiving, but uh, it just doesn't, it looks like some guy, and obviously I'm not worried about Hunt on the season, but out of all this uh, mumbo jumbo and, and, and just awesomeness happening out of Mahomes, Hunt's role isn't going to be as, uh, as defined, or it certainly doesn't look like it's going to be. It looks like they're going to be running and gunning and throwing the ball a shitload. Yeah. I mean, when you look at Hunt, he's on pace for, what, eight targets or eight eight receptions after having 53 his rookie year. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is a guy who's finding guys open down the field, and that, you know, there's not a lot of opportunities for dump-offs to Kareem Hunt, and, and that sort of touchdown he did score was sort of a design play for a running back, you know, reception. So uh, unless they're designing sort of these quick hitting uh, shovel passes to go Hunt's way and instead of DeAnthony Thomas or Tyreek Hills, um, you know, it, it's going to be difficult for him to have a lot of receiving production. And that was one of the areas in which he really excelled last year. Um, you know, I, I have a ton of Hunt. I'm concerned. The number of throws aimed at the running backs this year just hasn't been where it needs to be to have a viable uh, pass catcher. So we need more in the running game. And right now he's averaging just 3.6 yards per carry. Uh, he's seen 34 total attempts. So he, he needs to continue to be you know efficient in that area if he's only seeing 18 or so carries a game rather than the 20s he saw at times last year. Um, I, I do think against the San Francisco defense, he's going to be able to, you know, have a great game. But also I think, you know, you look at that defense, Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to have a great game. So uh, I, I think you're all in on the uh, Kansas City Chiefs offense. Like Tyreek Hill looks locked in as a top uh, uh, 10 wide receiver. Then, you know, Sammy Watkins, you know, big, big game for him last week uh, was doing it vertically down the field. Um, they were throwing him short passes and he was able to get a lot of yak. Uh, and then Kelsey scored two touchdowns, also went for over 100 yards, was very, very involved himself. So you had some more concerns about this offense. You thought maybe it's all Tyreek Hill after week one, but they showed a lot more diversity in week two um, to where it makes it hard on any given week to sit any of these guys. Like if you want to sit Sammy Watkins in this matchup, uh, it's tough to do with how well Patrick Mahomes is playing. 
uh, right now and how well this this scheme fits him. I, I, I mean, I wanted Patrick Mahomes to go to the Bears. He was my QB1 pre-draft last year. Um, but I'm not sure that you could have put him in a better place for his long-term success than working with Andy Reid. For sure, for sure. The one, I, my first draft to my oldest league, my, the only pick that I didn't make that I was kicking myself for, I, I got Cousins, but I, I, I should have held off and just gone home. And then I was going to go and I was going to grab Mahomes, and someone took him kind of early in my thoughts. I was like, oh, it literally ruined my night. And I was so yeah. pissed. And I made sure of it. And this is why it's good to do a bunch of drafts and get some stuff out of the way for your big leagues because – uh, I made sure of it in my big money league. I was like, I'm all in on Mahomes. I felt like shit after he got taken. I knew this. I, I had a good feeling about this guy. And I went early on, and people were like, oh, wow, Mahomes, really? I was like, hmm, yep, all in. And uh, do I think he keeps it up at this level? Of course fucking not. But <laughs> this guy, just looking at him in the backfield, when when he's sitting there and he's scoping out the situation – it did look like – I think Watson looked like it last year um, when he was healthy. But it's, it's, it's something special. This guy, it comes real easy to him, like enormously easy. The kind of throw that, that 80% of the league can't make at the QB position, he can just kind of flick it out. He's ridiculous. Um, and you know my biggest thing, I don't have any shares of Kelsey this year. Um, and obviously Kelsey had a horrible week one and owners of him are pumped after week two. But when you had Alex Smith, he left so many Kelsey moments on the table. And I just don't think Mahomes is going to do that. I think there's so much talent there that it's ridiculous. But I said it in some of our shows in August. Um, I think the Chiefs will be the highest scoring uh, team in the league. That's why I went with Butker and all that stuff. So I'm pumped for you, and, and, and uh, you know, like you said, Watson uh, or Watkins. I think Watkins is going to have, like, I'm going to say this right now. I think Watkins will have a few 150-plus games. He'll probably have a 200-yard game this year where they'll just go all in on a Tyreek, and it's just going to be Watkins is just going to go off a few times this year. I just feel it. Um, it was good to see him being a part of that, being a part of that action. All right, let's go over to uh, the first of the afternoon games, um, and that's going to be the Chargers at the Rams. LA. It is not. It is the battle for L.A. L.A. against L.A., the Warriors. Um, what do you think happens here? Obviously, the Chargers are picking up right where they left off. I mean, tell me what you think. I want to hear. This is a deep, deep fantasy goo-giving team. And then obviously the Chargers are too. Sometimes when you've got that, and it's kind of like similar to the Chiefs, it's like you're, there's so many fantasy points there and there's so much talent. There's like you're going to get let down some weeks because um, your guy it's not going to be your guy's week, but you just have to start them all because there's, so um, there's so much to be had. I mean, when you look at this, the Los Angeles Chargers – are the um, number three teams in terms of scoring fantasy points over the first three weeks, according to Pyro Power Rankings. And the Rams are the number one team in terms of points allowed um, 
But you look at the teams the Rams have faced so far, you see the Oakland Raiders, you see the Arizona Cardinals who are inept. But right now, you look at that defense, they've got Aaron Donald, they've got Nanzamak and Sue. Uh, they've got Marcus Peters. They've got to keep to leave. You know, you got little Marcus Joyner. They've got depth all over the field. This is, I didn't even mention Michael Brockers, who's playing great so far this season. Uh, so far, the Los Angeles Rams are allowing 22% of what an average quarterback uh, is scoring so far this season. So they are just demolishing people. They're allowing under four fantasy points a game to the opposing quarterbacks. But, you know, you look at Rivers and how well he's started the season. This is going to be a great game. Um, you know, I look at Keenan Allen as a guy who, you know, didn't get a, a big game last week. But, you know, that's because they were blowing him out early. Melvin Gordon scored three touchdowns in what seemed like the first five minutes. Um, you know, Austin Eckler is a guy who's, you know, stepped up and provided stability to that RB two, and he looks explosive when he's in there, but Melvin's still the man. Um, so I think you got to roll with Melvin Gordon. Um, that could be one of the weaker areas to attack, uh, the Rams, you know, it's gotta be, they're, they're, they're a team that's dominant against the pass so far. Um, so, you know, Melvin Gordon's got to get it done between the tackles. Uh, I think they're going to go with a little bit of a run-heavy approach, and then you're going to try to attack them with the passes out of the backfield to the running backs, uh, and that's something that's been super effective uh, for both, you know, Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. Uh, so far, the Rams, 40% of the receptions allowed by the Rams have gone to the running backs, and 40% of the receptions by the Chargers have been by the running backs. So that looks like a great spot um, in terms of a matchup leverage point to where there's going to be some RB receptions in this game um, on the Chargers side of the field. The question is, can the wide receivers, you know, Tyrell Williams, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, create separation uh, against these highly paid corners. Yeah, and it, it, it's, it's it's a tough uh, litmus test coming off of just what looked like Arizona last week. Just looked, the ineptitude looked awful. So you just don't know whether that was just Arizona is just really bad and in a bad place or whether the Rams are really, really good. Um, obviously, across every power rankings kind of scheme in any site, uh, the Rams are – Considered the best team in the NFL right now, as they should be. Um, but the Los Angeles Chargers aren't too far behind. And the over-under on this uh, game is at 48, which is still a, you know, a, a high-end top five over-under. I think it's the third highest over-under on the week out of Vegas. Um, maybe fourth. Um, fifth. There we go. Fifth highest. But still, that's that's high for, for this. Vegas feels like there's going to be some scoring happening in this game. And um, we'll see uh, what, what happens on, on, on that side of the ball. Uh, you want to go over to uh, the Rams? Yeah. Uh, you know, looking at the Rams, uh, the Chargers defense without Joey Bosa looks completely di- uh, different. So you look at, you know, what they've been doing on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they're currently allowing the – 
21st uh, fewest fantasy points. So they are in the allowing the 13th most. Um, the guys are are giving up points, um, and that's despite playing you know the Buffalo Bills, um, who have been a number booster. So I want to see the Rams against this defense because I think they can do some good things on that side of the football. You know, Brandon Cooks has looked like a great addition. He's doing more things than Sammy Watkins uh, was last year. Uh, They're using him short and deep. And, you know, all three of their wide receivers are playing 95 plus percent of the snaps. This is a three wide receiver base team. Those guys are all going to play a ton, and that puts you know Robert Woods and Cooper Cup you know consistently in the wide receiver three or flex territory. Todd Gurley scoring touchdowns at a crazy rate yet again. Uh, you know Gurley's locked into your lineup, um, and when you look at how the other top backs have performed this year, you know the big four. Gurley's the only one who's really living up to that draft spot so far. Uh, usually these RBs at the top don't repeat, but Sean McVay just has this special touch. Uh, and when you can remember any given play um, at any given time, in any given situation that you ran in your whole career, I'm not betting against you very often. Yeah, he's, he's, he's legit. The, the uh, thing you're concerned about is, I guess, if you're a Jared Goff owner. You know, the, the passing touchdowns just haven't been there, um, you know, and, and the number of attempts just haven't been there. Uh, and that doesn't seem to be something that's changing. Um, you know, they've completed just 42 passes this season, which is under the league average so far uh, of 47. Um, you know, and the tight end position is non-existent. Um so it's really just Gurley and then those three wide receivers we mentioned. Uh, the question is, is Goff going to throw for some more touchdowns? Because if he's not, he's not likely to be a top 10 quarterback like he ended up last year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what do you think about any any tight end action there? Higby? Fuck no. no. Fuck no. All right. Yeah. That a boy. I like it. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on. Last thing I'll say is uh, you see the uh, – the whole thing with the coach uh, from the Bleacher Report guys um, recalling plays, McVay recalling plays from games from three, four years ago, and he he literally can just throw out a play. And I'm sure most people uh, that are hardcore fantasy heads on Twitter have seen this, but for those of you that haven't seen it, um, the guys from um, Bleacher Report, I forget the one guy's name, and then Phil Simpson, um, Chris Sims, were talking to McVay and just throwing out plays in games from like, 2015 and or, or situations and McVay can remember he's got like telepathic or like uh, photographic memory of every play. I'm not gonna say every play in his career, but like literally can just remember a play in a situation and is calling it out and it is something special. That video dominates, and then they're like, "How do you do this?" He's like, "I've got no life." <laughs> Pretty awesome. His wife's pretty hot, so I've I've seen seen his wife. Um, he's got he doesn't have a life. He's got to start uh, hanging out in the uh, put a mirror on his ceiling in the bedroom. All right, let's go to the Cowboys at the Seahawks. 
It might be his girlfriend, actually. Um, all right, Cowboys just resigned Bryce Butler. Woo! Huge. What? Um, yeah, I don't know. They came out. They looked good. They got some uh, gadget tree going to Austin in the uh, Sunday night game against the Giants. Uh, obviously, Elliot's going to do Elliot, but it, it's still – I'm not sold on this team whatsoever. Dak just uh, seems like he's a middling quarterback to me, and I loved him uh, a year, year and a half ago. What are your thoughts in this situation against another team that, um, you know, kind of looks a little bit of both offensively and defensively a little post-prime? I want to start Ezekiel Elliott and no one else. I mean – what they've gotten in return for their tight end position it has been nothing. Uh, they've got, oh man, the Cowboys have just 9% of their receptions by tight ends. Um, you know, they've had a lot of receptions by their running backs, but they've completed just 35 passes, which is 25 lower uh, than any other, uh, which is 25 lower than the, uh, 12 lower than the league average. Uh, and better than just, I, I think, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans and San Francisco. Um, so they're bottom five in, in completions. Uh, it, it's Ezekiel Elliott and it's nobody. I mean, Dak's going to have to get it done as a rusher if you have him in fantasy. And, and, you know, the Seahawks defense did give up some, you know, rushing yards to Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, you know, he did throw two touchdowns against them. Uh, but, you know, overall, the weapons on the outside for the Cowboys just aren't that good and aren't that proven and haven't seemed to be able to create separation. Yep. Agreed. All right, so we can just move on. Cowboy, the only guy you want is Elliott. Let's uh, go to the Seahawks side. I mean, again, I think there it's even – we saw it this week against the Bears. It, it just it seems like uh it seems like an undermanned team all around. You can you can blow smoke up Russell Wilson's ass all you want and it does make sense. They're probably one of the worst teams in the league without him, but everything there just seems like it's ready to be blown up. Carroll seems like he's kinda lost his mind uh and, and can't get it back. Um, and it seems like Russell is in competition uh, with Schottenheimer, um, just you know checking down and making sure that it, this is an offense that he's comfortable with, and that 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 doesn't bode well for Shotty in his first year uh, calling plays. Um, he wasn't there last year, right? No, no. Nope. Um, and then Baldwin's out, and I think other than kind of a lucky locket play. Your best offensive weapon at receiver is is, is Disley right now, who's uh, the number one tight end in fantasy at the moment. Yeah, since week 13 of last season, the Cowboys have allowed just one team to score 21 points. That was the Seattle Seahawks in, in week 16. Uh, but other than that, they've been consistently holding teams under 20 points a game. Um and it, you know, you look at how the Seahawks are playing right now, um, and, and not much shapes up well for them. 
You look at what Russell Wilson did against that Dallas team last year. He threw for just 93 yards uh, and threw two touchdowns to save his fantasy day. But, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Randy Gregory and company, um, they've been putting pressure on the quarterback. Um, We saw it against the Giants last week, and, you know, we saw it against Cam Newton in week one. This, this defense is pretty good, and then they're playing this ball-control offense that's, you know, taking the number of plays away from the opposing team uh, that overall it's just not fun. Like, I don't know if I even want to start Russell Wilson this week. Uh, you know, Disley, you know, you, you look at what his he's done, and he scored a garbage-time touchdown last week. But other than that, you know, Nick Vanette was the guy who seemed to be targeted and on the field more. But, you know, the shots down the field to Disley have been there, and then the red zone work's been there. So uh, I guess if you're absolutely desperate at a tight end, you can go there. But, you know, I, I've still got I've got for a rookie tight end to really stick out in my mind, they've got to do it, you know, for a good portion of the season uh, for me. And then they did just – let Evan Ingram run free on a play, though. But, man, I don't want anything to do with the Seahawks this week. Yeah, right. Agreed. Wholeheartedly. Thank God that dogs, that wasn't my dog scratching the door. Um, all right, let's move on to last game of the afternoon. The Bears down in Arizona at Phoenix Stadium playing the Cardinals. We'll start with the um, the Bears. Uh, Mitch Trubisky had his first multi-touchdown game uh, last night. Awesome. Uh, a little closer than I wanted it to be, but, God, that Bears defense looks good. Um, Nagy came out today and said, hey, we got to get Jordan Howard more carries. We've got to run the ball more. I think that's the second week in a row that he said that. Hopefully he starts listening to himself. Um what what are your thoughts? The last thing I'll say is, did it look like to you that Anthony Miller, after he made one catch, was using the ball like a bomb? I don't know what he was doing with the ball. Uh, <laughs> he was smoking a bong. He was smoking a he was smoking a leather bong there. Love that guy. Um, what do you think? Let's just talk Bears offense situation against this uh, team. Uh, is this offense a little less than we maybe thought they were going to be heading into this season overall for fantasy? Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, Trubisky just hasn't taken a major step forward yet. He's averaging under 10 fantasy points uh, a game so far, I think, Um, or just over it, excuse me. Um, You know, the two touch, uh, 14, I I had a – Scoring system with a lot of twenty uh, third. He's the twenty third ranked quarterback right now, and that's that's. I had a scoring system yeah. open with a lot of uh, interception penalties and fumble penalties. Um, you know, Trubisky is like he's trying to do it with his athleticism. He looks like a guy who's one read, and if that one read's not there, he wants to run uh, and. You know, this is a system that you need to go get to your second read. You need to get to your third read. Those guys are going to be open. And we've all seen the highlight of Mitch Trubisky looking, uh, seeing an open Trey Burton in the end zone and then deciding to go to the next read and throw it to Taylor Gabriel. Um, 
you know, there's just a lot left on the field so far. Um, you know, the only thing encouraging has been his rushing, uh, where I think he's the fourth leading rusher among quarterbacks in the league right now uh, and has a rushing touchdown. But, man, that's not a guy you want to start. In, in the passing game, Trey Burton's been disappointing, except for a, a touch, you know, a touchdown on a – you know, quick flip play, uh, shovel pass. Um, but other than that, you know, it, it's been less than you've wanted. Um, you know, it, and with Jordan Howard catching, you know, four passes uh, a game on average right now, maybe it decreases what we thought, you know, uh, you know, Burton was going to be. So I, I think expectations were really lofty here. And it's still a major work in progress, but this is an offense that's got, you know, a lot of skill position player and a skill position talent. So that means you sort of have to hold and wait for a little bit more to shine through. I think Allen Robinson needs to be on rosters, but you look at Arizona, it looks like they have, you know, one player on defense who's playing well and Patrick Peterson, even though he's been, you know, sort of up and down. And they're also not using him to shadow very much right now. And with how they've been moving Allen Robinson to the slot and trying to get him open looks, uh, you know, maybe he's a wide receiver three play this week. But the rest of the guys, you know, Anthony Miller and Taylor Gabriel, uh, they're alternating on a lot of snaps. um, And they're still using two tight end sets and two running back sets. Uh, one thing that's been underreported, if you ask me, is the T- uh, Tariq Cohen ankle injury. Uh, maybe that gives way for, you know, Howard to be a workhorse back uh, in this offense. Yeah, Allen Robinson targeted out the wazoo, has 14 catches, obviously needs a touchdown or what whatnot. Um, but, yeah, the points the – points, Aren't li- ri- looking, aren't matching the eye test, in my opinion. Let's go over to the uh, Cardinal side of the ball. Is is there any talk with Rosen getting the start this week, or is he just not ready? Because it looks like Sam Bradford's the worst quarterback in the league. Um, I don't know. They have this is a situation you're gonna have to monitor. But if Sam Bradford continues to you know be the starter. Uh, with the state of that offensive line and and how they're calling plays, uh, you know, running David Johnson up the gut and, you know, running them from I formations and uh, one back sets from under center, uh, not getting, you know, open on the outside as a receiver or as a slot option uh, in the passing game. It's really affected his fantasy value. Um, so besides David Johnson, there's nobody I'm interested in uh, playing here. Larry Fitzgerald left the game last week with an injury. They are expecting him to be back and fine for this one. But what we've seen from this passing game with Sam Bradford at the helm is nothing. Like, I, I don't want anything to do with it. They've been worse than the Bills. Yeah, it's 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 pretty painful. All right, um, let's move on to uh, our second-to-last game. But before we do so, uh, do us a favor and listen to this word from our sponsor. All right, 
Football Night in America, Patriots at Ford Field, Detroit Lions. We'll start with the Patriots. They got Josh Gordon. Um, what are your expectations? Are they lofty? Are they Ocho Cinco-esque? Are they Randy Moss-esque? Does it not matter for a handful of weeks because this is a hard offense to learn and the options are very difficult as shown by Ocho Cinco? Um, what are your thoughts on him? And then uh, just kind of pouncing. And also Sony uh, PlayStation's back. Uh, interesting to watch him a little bit. Not going to read into what I felt too much, but seems like maybe there's some momentum a little bit uh, after, you know, two games of the Patriots that have been not the greatest, which happens basically every year. Yeah. Um, so Josh Gordon, I like it from the standpoint of the Patriots as an organization. You know, take a shot with the conditional fifth-round pick. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, you've given up a fifth-round pick. Depending on those conditions, maybe you don't even give up that. Um, you know, Looking at, you know, Josh Gordon this week, you know, remember he had that hamstring injury, and that was one of the reasons that ended his tenure in uh, Cleveland, you know, during a promo shirt. In, injuring his hamstring, but now he's suddenly healthy enough to play. That That's something suspicious uh, in its own right. And then looking at, you know, ha- learning this playbook. So I was talking to good friend Dan Orlovsky, you know, former Detroit Lion uh, quarterback uh, on Twitter the other day. I'm like, hey, Dan, how do you get Josh Gordon involved in this offense early? You just give him a subset of plays, couple packages, to where he knows, you know, a handful of things. And then as the weeks go by, you get him more and more more and more involved. And he's like, yeah, that's exactly what you do. You give him a certain number of plays that he's comfortable with. You figure out, you know, what he likes to run. uh, And you design those things for him. And then you let him do those things. And you don't really ask him to do too much more. You're not going to. And, you know, that makes perfect sense. Like, Josh Gordon's probably going to be, if he's on the field at all, he's going to be on the field for, you know, 20, 25 plays. And they're probably, a majority of them are going to be pass plays. Um, You know, but he's not going to be on the field in hurry-up situations. He's not going to be on the field in two-minute drills because he doesn't know. He's not going to be indoctrinated with hand signals uh, and signals from Brady, you know, in six days. People are... Well, Josh Gordon has had these great games coming back off suspensions. But when he's coming back off suspensions, he's had the playbook. Like he's had, he he's had all offseason to look at the plays and you know learn he might not have the timing and precision down with the quarterbacks, which is something you want, uh, especially in a timing offense such as this with Brady, but man, like he's been looking at the plays, he knows what the calls are, he knows you know, the verbiage of the system. Um, I got two things to say here. First is Valverde. Second, is, on a response to a poll I did on um, how Josh Gordon was going to fare uh, with the Patriots, um, which turned out to be Ocho Cinco 2.0 was 34%. 41% was Randy Moss-like and 25% better bars in Boston. That's on 193 votes, and that's final. But I like something this guy um, 
Eddie Rainier uh, mentioned uh, in, in a response or a message on uh, Twitter, if he keeps his nose clean, this is huge for scheming matchups and getting space to Gronk and Edelman, who comes back in two weeks. What Brady does better than anyone is throw the ball inside without interceptions. Now think of less bodies inside and your best playmakers being freed up. This is genius. And even it, and I agree with that. Doesn't help you out in fantasy football. You don't get decoy points. You don't get those uh, gravity uh, points that you were talking about with uh, McCaffrey uh, last year. Um, but if I'm thinking about, and let's say he gets 20 plays and, you know, you're sending him deep, you're making people worried. Uh, this this does a lot of great things for Gronk and Edelman and from the uh, the backfield as well. This is uh, I'm I was initially thinking of Gordon as a, himself and being a guy that goes 1600 yards and gets touchdowns and Randy Moss from 2007 um, all over again. I, I I don't see that, but I think that he could have a couple good games later in the season. But right now, you've got a dude that is changing things for the better for everyone else in the offense. And a lot of those pieces have been there for a while. Do know the book, do know the system. So it's a super smart move for a fifth rounder. Love that altogether. Um, third thing I wanted to say, I forgot. So let's, uh, let's just move on. Um, I mean, we've got to talk about the rest of these guys for fantasy impact for this week yeah. because, you know, Chris Hogan, you know, he looks to be one of the biggest impacted players from this Josh Gordon injury. But this looks like a game where Hogan is in a good spot to blow up. Uh, people are going to be trading him, uh, you know, in fear of Josh Gordon coming in. But this is a good spot to come in and, you know, potentially score some easy fantasy points against the Detroit Lions, who have been one of the worst fantasy defenses over, you know, the first week of the season or first two weeks of the season. They got lit up uh, by, you know, Sam Darnold in week one. They've allowed the second most fantasy points to opposing running backs, which sets up good for, um, you know, Rex Burkhead and Sony Michelle becoming a little bit more involved in the offense, but Burkhead looks like the main cog uh, on that backfield as of now. Um, but the Lions have just given up fantasy points all over. And, you know, you look at the Patriots coming off a loss, this is usually when they respond, especially in a Sunday night in a dome. Like, I think this Patriots offense is in for an explosion. I hope so. Um, I mean, I don't hope so. I, I've, got, I've literally got zero Patriots for the first time in my life. But I hope so. I hope that – actually, I hope that they don't. So that the Lions win. <laughs> um, let's go over to that side of the ball. Um, first off with the Patriots, are you worried with Gronk or not worried at all long-term? Gronk? Yeah. Nothing to be worried about. I mean, it, it's Jacksonville. They're, they're a tough pass defense. He now gets to take on the Detroit Lions, who have, uh, you know, notoriously been abused by tight ends. I think he's going to have a huge week. I agree. Sony Michelle, do you think uh, he's a guy that, um, if he's available anywhere, which is probably highly unlikely, do you, do you like his uh, prospects for the remainder of the season? Who's that? A Sony. 
I don't know, man. Like he, the Patriots backfield is one of the toughest to project in football. Uh, like he he looked okay. He didn't look like a game breaker, but you know, still nursing back from an injury. Um, that's a little bit concerning, but they obviously need that explosion factor out of the backfield. So I, I can see there's going to be games where they get them involved. And maybe this week's one of them, you know, they're, they've been real bad against, uh, opposing running backs. All right. Lions side. Let's go. What do you got? Stafford, uh, Galladay looking. I mean, they were just lit up by Blake Bortles. Like, De- destroyed. So, you know, unless they're getting pressure, uh, unless they're getting pressure with their front, Stafford's going to have all day to throw. Um, and that allows great things for his three receivers, Galladay, Tate, and Marvin Jones. I think they're all in, you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver three fantasy discussions and should be in lineups. And because of that, I think Matthew Stafford should be in lineups. Um, you know, not, I don't want anything to do with the running back position. If you start one, I guess it's Theo Riddick and PPR. Uh, other than that, you know, that's it, man. Like start the receiver, start Stafford. It's a pass first team with not much happening in terms of run game. Nice. All right. We got one game left. Um, Monday Night Football, this one should be actually pretty friggin' awesome. Steelers are going to be down in Tampa Bay playing Fitz Magic, doing his uh, Connor McGregor number. Guy's on fire. He's the number one quarterback in fantasy football right now. Just lighting it up. Uh, let's start with the Steelers. It seems like Tomlin's uh, lost the locker room a little bit. Uh, is the team right now trying to get Bell back and just um, almost maybe similar to Emmett Smith's um, second post Super Bowl season, where he sat out for the first two to three games. Are like this shit's not as great without you. Bring, bring brought him back in, and they went, he went on to be the MVP, and they won the Super Bowl. Not saying the Steelers uh, can that can happen for Le'Veon or that they can win the Super Bowl. Not saying it can't. But are they thinking about bringing him back in there, or are they just pumped with Connor? Is Antonio Brown just being another having another douchey outing? It seems like shit's awry there. Yeah, um, hmm. I think it's really up to it's really up to uh, Le'Veon when he wants to come back. Right now, he's content partying on yachts with models in Miami. So what, whatever, uh, whatever is going to come from that, it's not going to happen immediately. Um, you know, shit. Like realize that if you're a, if you're a billionaire NFL owner and he's in season, when you know, and you see the guys, it's, it's crazy that Le'Veon Bell's doing that. I'm not going to talk about it. Um, go on. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at the rest of it, like Antonio Brown, I don't think there's anything to say there. Yeah, he missed practice yesterday, but, you know, they've come out and put a pretty strong front, Drew Rosenhouse, that, you know, they had told the team that he was going to miss uh, due to, you know, some personal reasons, and then he missed the meetings, and 
yeah, you know, that whole trade me and find out request was really just a shot at a guy on Twitter uh, that he apparently knew. Um, so what's that? He was an ex dealer staffer. Yeah. An ex PR staffer. So it's like, it's not much to say, to say in that realm, like Brown's been killing it. Yeah. He did speak up and say he wanted a little bit more, but that's because Juju went off. And I I don't think Antonio Brown's a guy who likes anybody overshining him uh, in terms of the spotlight. Like uh, he wants what he wants. Um, you know, so I think you're starting Brown, and I think you're starting Juju. Uh, you know, Jesse James, who's the leader in, in tight end yardage and has the second most fantasy points. I do think that it's a potentially thing that could stick. He plays so many snaps. But think about it this way, right? They've thrown 100 passes over the last two games. Is that a pace that's going to maintain? And I just don't think so. But against this Buccaneers defense, this could be a shootout all over again. So, you know, maybe there's another 40 to 45 passes and then Jesse James uh, is fantasy relevant. But, you know, Tampa Bay is uh, one of the teams that's usually stingier against opposing tight ends. Uh, This season, let's see where they're at in terms of points allowed. Uh, They've allowed... The, the sixth most, however, they've allowed 210 yards, which is the second most in football. Um, you know, the rest of, like, I don't think you're in a bad spot, no matter how you want to attack the Buccaneers' defense. Um, you know, Steelers, I think you're starting everybody, Ben Roethlisberger included, even if he is on the road. Uh, um I liked your Photoshop work on uh, earlier Twitter Twitter posts. Thanks, nice work. Uh, let's head I over. Much more attention. <laughs> let's head over to the uh, Buccaneers side. Um, I'm just gonna let you run. Yeah, uh, I mean the start of Ryan Fitzpatrick has literally been the best start for a fantasy quarterback ever over the first two weeks of the season. And that includes the Peyton Manning record-setting year where he went out and, what, threw for 500 yards and seven touchdowns in week one of the season. Um, So Ryan Fitzpatrick has been money. Uh, You know, Jameis Winston's getting sued for some money right now. So, you know, that Uber driver that there was a confrontation with where, you know, he acted like a fucking, fucking piece of shit human. Apparently, you know it's fucked up, and and now he's getting sued for it. So Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to remain the starter for as long as you know he's playing good football. Like when a guy's playing this good, you can't afford to take him out of the lineup. Uh, Mike Evans looks locked in. Deshaun Jackson's catching all nine of his targets and leading the league in receiving yards. Uh, you know, has multiple 70-yard touchdown plus. Uh, and and we didn't even think he was going to play last week until Sunday yeah. morning, which is amazing. Concussion in shoulder. Uh, crazy. Yeah. I think Goodwin's got two TDs through two weeks, and that's as the wide receiver three. Basically, Fitzpatrick is making, uh, making this seem, you know, he's – you got a viable, you got four, five, you got four viable 
receiving options on that team. And is this going to hold up? You know, maybe not, but um, or definitely not over the season. But this week, in this game, and this momentum, and this energy, and seeing what we saw Mahomes do last weekend, a few days ago against the Steelers, I mean, I'm feeling good about just putting, you know, putting their foot on the throat of the defense of the Steelers and saying, hey, we're going to keep this little, uh, you know, electric, high potency, wing it, fling it, have fun with it offense. And right now it's working for us. And until it ain't, don't fix it if it ain't broke. It's going to come crashing at some point. But I don't think it's this weekend. Yeah, I mean, the best thing Dirk Cotter did this season was give play calling over uh, to his offensive coordinator. Um, And, you know, I think Godwin's worth a flex play because of how hot this offense is. The only position you're really avoiding on this team is running back. Peyton Barber's just, you know, even though they've had some favorable game scripts late, they just have their, their line is awful at run blocking. So this is a spread pass team. Nice. Uh, anything else you want to say? Give give some knowledge out. Um, yeah. Before we go, props to Wheeler for his, uh, you know, week one fantasy rankings. He was the number six expert at fantasy pros. Number two hasn't been announced just yet, but uh, Pyro staff rankings uh, are going to finish top ten. Uh, Wheeler's going to finish thirteen. So props to him again. He's been, you know, dishing out the goo so far this season. Uh, we really appreciate his work, and he's been a great addition to our rankings so far. Um, so love, props to Wheels. Keep it up, dude. I love that guy. I think I, well, in the next week or two, we'll have him on the Pyro Podcast for the weekly matchups. Um, guy rules. Nice work. Well done to you, Stags. You and him doing uh, joining forces. It's awesome. You guys are top 10 um, for week one. And then, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes for this week. Um, We were top 10 this week. We weren't good week one. Okay. Top 10 this week. He was was really good week one. (laughs) Nice. Um, Awesome work. Stag party. Well done. This, This felt like the most efficient boom, 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 boom show. Uh, what a uh, what a hot closed door um, situation okay. we'll get for a couple of chubby fellas. But uh, <laughs> love love spitting out the fantasy football goo with you. Um, check out the pyro um, power rankings we just posted today. That's a stag party staple. Um, and just in general, I think we're doing some great stuff. Uh, getting caught up a little bit. The first week was a little interesting. We still got some dev things happening. I'm excited about uh, some tweaking happening, but uh, you can check out on our homepage, pyromaniac.com. Um, you've got our, our Twitter feeds, and we've got a handful of our pyro you know, brethren that we're including in that feed, and it's awesome. And if you're not following uh, – at Pyro Stag, that's P-Y-R-O-S-T-A-G on Twitter. You're making big mistakes. If you're not following me on Twitter, you're probably better off, but it's at P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one A-C. Um, if you're looking for great stuff all around, um, just stick with us on this Pyro podcast, uh, and then 
Let's do it. Let's fire it up. I'm pumped up. I can't believe it's nine o'clock right now, and I'm in um, I'm in Michigan, so it's eight for you, right? Oh yeah, oh, that's nice. That's nice. This is a good night. Stag party. I love you, buddy. Good job. As always, sorry I had to work, deal with my dog in a couple moments. Pyros, thanks for listening to us. Week three, third degree burns. Let's get them. Let's crush those fuckers. All right, we out.